All right, welcome to another episode of Ran Out of Talent. I'm your host, Joser Jr., and with me is my co-host, Ryan Greening. How's it going tonight, Ryan? Hey, Joe, it's pretty good. How's your weekend going? It's going pretty well. Just, you know, first week back for the UFC. That was fun to watch. No race, no RC racing, I should say. Joe. No, Thur- but you had a you had a busy, exciting Saturday, though. Oh, yeah, Pinewood Derby, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he uh, won his den and took third in the pack, so he can go to districts. We're going to see if that's possible this year. Last year it was not possible. Okay. I got. Uh, was he excited? Did he have fun? Oh, What's yeah. The... He had a blast. They do it quick. Uh, we're in and out in, I'd say, an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I loved it. Um uh-huh. I got to figure out how to take a half-tenth off of his car. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're getting down to that. So, <laughs> How was your Saturday night? Pretty good. A little bummed out that uh, Conor McGregor, I knew that's what was going to happen. Yeah, how would you rate his opponent? I don't know anything about this cowboy guy. Cowboy's a veteran that can never win the big fight. He has all these... Wonderful finishes, all these awesome submissions, knockouts, but when it comes to big-time star power, he kind of crumbles like he did. I'm upset, though, for a different fight. So last night I learned that you could not hook a Wells Fargo, like all my checking, credit cards, all that crap are through Wells Fargo or U.S. Bank. Okay. That's all right. You're not allowed to hook those up to gambling sites. I knew Roxanne Modafari was going to win when she's at like a plus 600. So if I would have put down $50, I would have won 300 bucks. Really? Yeah. So I went to go put money down. I tried three or four different betting sites, and Wells Fargo and U.S. Bank said nope. So I got to figure that out because I was very upset. Yeah. I mean, it's a karate striker versus a jiu-jitsu person who's the jiu-jitsu person's had like 50 fights. Of course a jiu-jitsu person's going to win. But anyways, that's enough. I wanted to talk MMA today, but uh, my partner with that podcast is, um, he had to not do it because, you know, obligations with his kids. You can't hold none of that against him. No, right on. That's cool. Um, do you want to get into any results or do you want to get into any kind of news? Tonight we are calling Troy Gubbins fresh back from the 12th scale worlds. That's going to be fun. Uh, what are we looking at there? Eight o'clock? Yeah, eight o'clock, about 25 minutes. Okay, well, let's start knocking out some results. Um, let's start with, with what a lot of people were paying attention to this weekend, uh, the Southern Indoor Championship. Yeah, um, there's a few racers there that we know, um, Jared Wiggins and our local guy, Seth Van Dalen. Right, and I noticed, um, I'm not exactly sure where he's living right now, but Randy Anger was there as well, and he was racing mini-truggy. Really? Randy Anger, Randy Anger was at uh, the Toy Box, I want to say, about a month ago. Right, and I had heard that he moved back, and I'm I'm not sure if he moved again or if he just just wanted to go to the Southern Indoor Championships, but um, unless there's, there very well could be another Randy Anger, but 
it it just seems implausible yeah. that it would be another really good racer. I'm looking at the the first A main of Mini Truggy and Randy won it. Dude, that's so cool that uh they had Mini Truggy there. That would have been a badass track. Yeah, Did you yeah, see big, the si- big, smooth, big rolling obstacles. It, it looked like a lot of fun. I wonder if you just strap a 3.5 with a ton of boost and timing and, and hope you have the battery pack to do it. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sure they were having fun, man. No right, doubt. Right. So um, the, the big news was that Seth Van Dalen in his uh, – inaugural race with j concepts and he switched to block motors as well yep. from os speed uh he went out and tq'd the damn thing oh crap sorry i just hit the southern indoor nationals and it started playing the live video sorry about that <laughs> yeah sure anyways so yeah seth takes the tq in nitro buggy how about that that is awesome didn't he tq all three rounds or did he do no he tq'd Got like a second or a third, and then I think he might have TQ'd again. I don't know, but I mean. That's impressive. That ass. I mean, usually the Southern Indoor Nationals, you have Ryan Lutz and Jared Tebow, but this year you also had Cole Ogden, Joe Bornhorst, and Jared Wiggins. Yeah, they were. it was no slouch of a field no. by any stretch. I mean, Seth went out there and top qualified over – a, a world champion so right right that pretty is cool awesome. stuff there uh unfortunately it did not convert into sunday results he had uh, a little bit of a rough go of it we don't we don't have any information yet on what happened to him no it looks like he, he just had a rough main day yep yep um pro nitro truggy uh ryan lutz was able to win that by a heavy margin over Jared Tebow. Cole Ogden ends up third. Okay. Awesome. So um, Lutz is really getting along with that thing, huh? The Agama. The Agama. Man, I'm. that's one of the cars I've been tempted. I've been tempted to try the Agama, and I've been tempted to try the HB. So basically. Did, did any locals sign with Nemo? I want to say one or two might have. Or okay. I want to Were you willing to? Are you willing to just go out and do it on your own, with with no local help? I don't want to be stuck in a situation. Every car breaks a weird part that you want to think of, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be stuck in that situation to where I have to either rig something up or I'm done for the weekend because, you know, some stupid whatever broke on me. Sure. Um, but you know, it is always possible. Um, I forget his name. We had a, I'm, I think you might've pitted with him before. We have a deaf racer. Scott, is that his name? Tinkman? Yeah. Yep. He was running a Gama, but what happened though with the Gama is, um, Lutz joined the team and he did similar to what Mayfield did with Yokomo and he, but he didn't do an overhaul like Mayfield. He's like, just tweak this, that, and this and the car. Lutz hasn't looked this good in years. Yeah, yeah, it's it's impressive, and I I like to see the guy do well. He's seems like a hell of a nice guy. Yeah, um, what he does he, for RC go, on his social yeah, media, yeah. he Ooh. he goes above and beyond, right? Yeah, he puts that uh, GoPro on a gimbal on his car, and man, he's got millions of organic views on 
between Facebook, YouTube, all that other stuff. You love to see it. Hopefully, you know, hopefully he's converting that into some income. Yeah. I hope he's so. put in a lot of time on, you know, Facebook live broadcast and like you said, YouTube and just general the guy gives back to the sport. He put so a Dominimo on the map. So Nitro Buggy, the other big class down there at the Southern Indoor Championships, uh, that's the one that Seth TQ'd. He yep. ended up 11th. It looked like he had a really rough first lap for some reason, and then somewhere in the middle of the race, he had um, a 69-second lap, and they were hovering uh, around the 30-second mark most okay. of the race. So he had more than two laps worth of time in one lap. So That's we can we could make some assumptions, but we don't actually know what happened. I'm so guessing a flame. You would think it's a flame out, but you know, we're not we're not all too positive, but we'll probably find out in the next couple of days. So Tebow ended up taking that one. Bornhorse finishes second and Dakota Fend with an updated eight X Elite TLR car what, finishes third. He, he finished a race? He finished a race. Nice. He did, he did all the laps. Wow. He uh, also swept swept at CRCRCRCRCRC a couple weeks ago, or last week. Doesn't that place look like fun? Dude, all the places they've been going. <laughs> I mean, I'm, and it, it's especially bad. I haven't raced in two weeks, so it's like... The shittiest track looks just so good to me right now. Right. Where where are you going to go racing again the next time? Next week I'm going to um um I'm going to Dollar Hobby's Trophy Race. Okay, cool. Then um it's going to be clay for the next month after that out of, between the 510 and uh the Toy Box. Sure. So if we get in the time machine, uh, go back a little more than a week, 510 had their annual Sub-Zero Challenge. Yep, I couldn't it's, make that one. Yeah, that's a shame, too. That that's It's always a fun race to go to. It's not the same format that it used to be. No. But, you know, it's still, there's some great memories of that race. Um, if we highlight the Truggy A-Main, there was a return of Wyatt Anderson to the track. We haven't seen him all year long. And so he came back. He ended up finishing second to Jeff Killian. Nice. In the Truggy class. And Jordan Cortan got on the box, finishing third there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I really am trying to figure out. So I want to go through that. I want to grab everybody's vt64s and have what i put in mine into theirs i found an issue though i might try the thin pistons on my mini truggy i i've been kicking ideas around with kyle holmberg and senior because what's happening is um the front end is getting bouncy but my shocks are dead nowhere in the shocks whatsoever hmm. can't figure it out interesting yeah so sorry about that i that just came to my head no worries i figured we'd feature the spec buggy class it's a, a 17.5 ftm so fixed timing motor from yep. hobby wing so supposed to be a, a really equal 
playing field class. I think they have a spec tire, too, for that one. Right. Uh, clay positrons in all four corners. So Tim Larson came down from the Great White North, took the win in that class. Awesome. I believe he's he's from somewhere up near Duluth, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, near Duluth. Yep. So Jeff Killian took second in that one, and Randy Johnson, Farmer Johnson, ended up third. Awesome. I believe Tim Larson's still using a B5M. Oh, how about that? He might have updated, but... And that's kind of... That's a class where where you can do that right now yes you don't you don't have to have the best of the best it's it's all about people stepping up from the sportsman class and getting some experience with two-wheel drive buggy every time i drive joe 3's b5m i'm like this isn't the fastest thing in the world but it's so steady and so solid i could see competing with the up all the way up to a spec time or spec motor class for sure right on so if we bumped it bump it up to the stock two-wheel drive buggy a man that's the fast two-wheel drive buggies up there on that day old iron fist came through steve nelson takes the win and can we stop for a second and talk about the transformation the transformation that steve nelson has made okay he's He's eating clean. Yes. I, I don't know if he's exercising a ton or a little or not at all, but I know he's eating clean, and he's dropped like 60 or 70 pounds. Yeah. I talked he looks great. a bit about it, and we talked. That's, you know, it's funny. When, when I see him at the track, we rarely talk about RC stuff. We talk more about diet and exercise, and <laughs> he's getting into working out, and you know what? I, I, I bet you he's going to be into jiu-jitsu by the end of 2020. Well, that'd be cool. I, I'm working on him. I, <laughs> I'm Would it, trying to are your, get him to join the Do you have similar frames? Do you think you two could end up in the in the same weight class at a tournament somewhere down the line? If he really tried and I didn't try, we have similar frames, but he's a bit taller. Oh, okay. So we could maybe meet up at 170 pounds one day, but my goal is always 155. Sure. So yeah, kudos to Steve for making a good life change there. You, it's not always the direction that you see RC racers going no, in. So I'm proud I of the guy. That. Yeah, he's been working for like I want to say two years now, maybe even more. Just making slow lifestyle changes, learning what, because everybody's different. Everybody's you know some everything doesn't work for everybody. And he's been figuring out what works for him and all that other crap, and he's been doing an awesome job. So shout out to him, uh, winning at life and at the racetrack. Alec Hins takes second place in two-wheel drive stock buggy, and the proprietor of the 510, Chris Martin, finishes third. Yeah, awesome. Alec Hins took se- I wonder where Caden was. Do you have the results? Did he break? Yeah, it's, yeah Caden um, looks like he, you know, uh, he qualified fifth, so he wasn't setting the world on fire that day. I know one thing I did see Alec was putting in some time Yep. there at the 510 in between rounds. I, I don't know if Caden was or not, or I don't know anything about it. I just know that uh, Alec qualified fourth, finished second, and Caden qualified fifth, finished sixth. That's I, I know they both put in as much time as possible between rounds as possible. So. Sure. So that was the 510 Sub-Zero Challenge last weekend. Yep. Moving forward, um, 
to the Friday night staple in the Midwest region, in the Minnesota region anyway, uh, MMR, Friday night off-road cool. on the CRC carpet. Dave Kirshner finishes first in Stock Buggy A-Main, Torat second, Evan Banta finishes third, honorable mention to Madison Osted. she finished fourth. Awesome. And how about some slash A-Main action, Nick Hurley Wins that one, followed by Roger Wenzel. Really nice guy. I like yeah, him. Roger's awesome. In second, and Lulu Lai. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but that's a new name to me. I so, believe And I'm that's... seeing some other new names, too, so MMR's bringing in some new people lately. I believe Lulu, I want to say, has something to do with Fritz. Okay. I'm not sure. who. I, I think... Um... I don't know if it's a nephew or stepkid. Ah, man, I wish I knew, but I think okay. so. Some connection to Fritz Dragon. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's cool. Love to see new names in the result sheets for yeah. sure. Always. We can stick with the whole uh, carpet thing this Saturday up at Thunder Road. I think, it, I think it was a trophy race up there. Yes. A lot of... Friday night MMR names made their way up there. So two-wheel drive expert buggy A-Main Torot takes that one. And Madison gets on the box there, finishing second. Brian Bowman finishing third. I think Brian's been on the podium at every round of that trophy series this year. So I, I enjoy when he's not at the top of it, though. <laughs> you like to see someone else win once in a while? Oh, I, I love seeing Tor crush him, and I love seeing Madison crush him. <laughs> That's my favorite. Yeah. yeah, it's cool seeing, you know, Maddie's uh, quite a bit more dedicated to racing lately. Yeah, I, I wonder if she's still playing. I don't talk, you know. I, I don't think she can play her. anymore. I think, um, I think something physically... Uh, is the reason why she's not because I think she was a goalie. Yep. So, so being a goalie, I would guess that she probably has knee problems or something like that. Is maybe back issues is keeping her uh, from doing that. So, like you said, she's she's going racing with the boys quite a bit more, and she's doing damn well. Yeah. You know, I I haven't talked to her since she told us we were too negative for the local community. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Anyways. Everybody's got an opinion. Oh yeah, you got it. Hey, as long as they download. Me? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you never know if they're listening or if they're hearing it secondhand, thirdhand, or fourthhand. That pisses me off so much when somebody hears something wrong secondhand off of this podcast. And I say, listen to it, and they say, no, I'm good. You know what? No, listen or suck it. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Not even gonna respond. <laughs> Did you listen to the show? No, but so-and-so said that you said this. Okay. Yeah. Next, please. All right. All right, moving on to one of our favorite places, the Toy Box. They were all fired up there yesterday. Lots of racers. Uh, Two-wheel drive stock buggy. Kyle Holmberg takes the win. Apparently, he had a really good battle with James Dolan. James, so James Dolan was rolling up. hot there yesterday. The last Two to three months since the winter season started, James started out to where him and I are battling to where he's pulling farther and farther and farther away, and now I think he's gone. I think he's now closer to the Kyle Holmberg 
side of driving? Well, he's getting the reps in. You know, his his dad's getting him to seemingly every single racetrack that they can make it to. And he's a new team associated teammate or team oh. member, not me. Oh, right on! Yeah. Congratulations to him. Yep. He's doing something similar to, and they're you know vastly different in age, but several years ago. Alan Smith was going to every single race that he could get himself to. Alan Smith was doing that, but he was also doing something that I believe might have hurt him a little bit. Remember when he used to do like three to five classes on a club day? Right. And I think James is just focusing on that buggy. Sure. So. So that's cool. Uh, The sheriff, Clayton Cartaluca, finished up third in that stock buggy main. Yep. And let's check in on the sportsman class. Jeff Peters finishes first first in that one. I haven't met Jeff yet. Uh, Tony G, I'm familiar with that guy. He finished second. Okay. And Tiffany Nesbitt finished up third on the podium. Right on. Cool. Yeah. So that does it for the toy box. You know what I like about the toy box is they split up the novice, sportsman, all that stuff into different classes like it's so nice to have a two-wheel drive novice class i could put joey in and i won't have to worry about him getting smashed by pro fours sure so anyways is that it for results uh dollar hobbies oh had yeah had a race today they were racing on road uh they had two 12th scale classes so they had stock and spec bangle um Chang qualified, but looks like he didn't start the main. No. So Chris Bangle takes the win there. Jeff Will in second. Yep. If we go to spec 12th scale, Bangle again. So Bangle with the 1-1, sweeping the 12th scale classes. Mike Barlow finishes in second spot. Cool. Got to, I dropped into the track. Um, when was that? I don't recall. Thursday. Thursday I went by there. Got to talk to Mike a little bit. Had a nice long conversation with Jeff Choban, so that was good to see those guys. Yeah. And I believe if I look at stock touring car, Jeff finished second to Kendall Welch. And Dan Oliveras finished third in stock touring car. Joey Carlson, he's been making the rounds, doing a lot of different racing. He yeah. showed up and raced Euro Truck, took the A main victory in that. Uh, looks like he battled with Brian Post, who finished second, and Jeff Cheerheart, I haven't met him yet. I Finished third. Cool, cool, cool. That's all I got for you. All right. Well, we got a, about six minutes before we got to call Troy, so let's do some quick things. Um, yeah. We have nailed down a couple of MNRC dates. We have nailed down, I believe, we've nailed down June. It's always Father's Day weekend for loose nuts. You can always assume that's June. Sure. July. You know, I'm Those gonna... that aren't in the know, this is our, our regional Minnesota and Wisconsin eighth scale primarily uh, series that goes on in the summertime. Oh, crap. MNRC. I lost a text. So I know that, um, God, I want to say FTR got July, and I want to say Duluth got August. Okay. You you got to just assume they're also on the third weekend of every month. And I believe Rick's got September. <sighs> We're still waiting to hear from Dale from the Moto Dome. 
what happened was one of the decorations got vandalized. Oops. I don't believe any of the RC guys did it, but he thinks that the RC guys did it. So, okay. I don't know, man. I don't know if we're going to be able to do the dome. We Oof. Dude, that would that would be a blow. It might be we might have a race somewhere outdoor in May, which we've done before, and it might be a five-race series. It might not be. We might get the dome. The thing also is Dale's a hard guy to get a hold of. He's really hard to nail down dates, but we've been working, guys. So, um, let's see what else. Um, so the B6.2, man, I'm waiting for a cheap B6.1 because it's the same damn thing. Well, the dirt one's the same damn thing except uh, different rear arms and um, different hubs. Okay. Big deal. The carpet car has a plus three millimeter chassis to stabilize it. It's got 75 millimeter arms to where the dirt car has 73 millimeter rear arms, I should say, and it has a different hubs. There's not a ton different, but you know, I've been seeing stories of people getting B6.1s for a hundred bucks. Yeah, that uh, the used market has really just gone off a cliff here the last couple of years, right? Yeah, dude, I, I mean... Because you can't even find a, an old TLR-22 for a hundred bucks. They're always like 125, 140, and we're talking a kit that's how many years old now? I mean, when did that come out? Like 2012? Around there. People want I was top I was dollar. looking for one a few years ago because... Um, I wanted a rear motor car for the MNRC. Oh, yeah, yeah. Open class. I gotcha. Yeah, it's... Um, but yeah, current kits, like you say, you, you can't hardly get more than a, a hundred bucks for a just recently obsoleted kit. Right. But like, a, let's say, so I've been looking for a B74 because I'm eventually going to get the conversion. Um. I can't find one for under four hundred dollars. Sure. When a new one's five twenty, it's ridiculous. It's, I, I don't know why people think. Well, you know what? No, the people who are selling are not in the wrong. The people who are paying those prices are in the wrong. <laughs> if the market will adjust, if you ignore those high prices. Sure. Um. One more quick thing. I won something off the RC bingo site. <laughs> I saw that. I won a transponder. You won a transponder. Yeah. All Son right. Bitch this hasn't this whole thing's yet. really paying off for you. <laughs> it's not. I, I was about to buy one for Joey, and then sure. I saw there was one in that bingo site. It's like, yeah, let's uh, let's give it a shot. Roll the dice. Yep. Uh, I think I did it for like, got in for like 10 bucks. So... Anyways, one more quick thing. I did get the Motorhead Madness announcing gig. Cool. When's uh, that? Uh, end of March. Let me pull up my calendar here. I am not prepared on the dates. 
because March 14th is a jiu-jitsu tournament. I want to say it's the 21st and 22nd. Does that mark the end of the season for the Lake Superior On-Road Club? Uh, yeah, it always – that's always the last um, – yep, it's a weekend of March 21st. Okay. That That's always their last on-road race of the year. They chill out for a month or two, and they usually – try to get going with the uh try to get going with the um off-road around may sure they try weather permitting so let's see here let's give uh troy gubbins a call here cool okay let's see here add i think it's calling them it's not making a noise but it's calling them do you hear anything on your side not yet, but I'll see him when he pops up. Okay. Yeah, it's still calling. He hasn't picked up quite yet. His kid at its... I think it's a her. Had her first birthday today. Hey, there's Troy. How's it going? Troy, are you there? Hey, guys. Can you hear me? There we are. Can you hear him, Ryan? I can hear you. I can hear him. I got you. Awesome. Cool. It just took a second. How was Kennedy's birthday today? Oh, man. I I came home and I had a nap. Yeah. <laughs> it was wild. First birthday, the right? Big, first birthday. The the craziest thing. So my, my, my wife made her this little miniature, like, three-layer cake. Yeah. She got these little pans. The layers of frosting, everything homemade. And it was really, like, sugar-free. So it's a kid-friendly cake. Yeah. And I thought she'd cut like this slice of it, right? Because it's, you know, four inches around and, you know, taller than it is wide. Right. And it was a, it was quite a cake. She set the whole thing down in front of her. Yeah. And with without hesitation, she just dove in. Face first like, or fist? Lo- oh, yeah. Like we were going to take it away in a moment's notice, like a, <laughs> like a golden retriever with a plate <laughs> of spaghetti. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. The smash cake is always an awesome thing. So you are fresh back from the 112 scale worlds. That's right. So real quick, did you only run modified? Because I saw they had a stock class. Yep. So just modified. So when they when they came out, um, they did recommend pick your priority. Okay. Uh, and they said, you know, in the circumstance that it doesn't fill, we consider letting you run both. But to be totally honest, it was a scramble running one class because we've got a ton of track time. And there, there'd be no way I could have fielded two cars, uh, okay. not without a full-time mechanic to, you know, cut all the tires, to put the car on the tweak station, you know, all those little things that yeah. just take time just to, to soft at just the right time would have been impossible to do two cars by myself right on right on so i jumped ahead a little bit there a lot of people a lot of people around minnesota know who you are but a lot of our national listeners might not know so troy tell us all how you got into racing yeah you gave me a heads up. You'd have some questions for me. So it's like I started to think, and it's like, yeah, how did I get my first RC car? And really, it was all the way back to an elementary school 
in the school library, they had a magazine section and they carried RC car action. Oh. Yeah, and I want to say one of the first RC car actions that I picked up was, I mean, I think the cover on it was probably, I can't remember if it was either like Brian Kinwald or Matt Francis's uh, two-wheel buggy, like world car from like 1995. Okay, okay. And yeah, I don't know, it just, uh, it, it just I, I was super intrigued with it and it just, and it just hooked me and I, you know, begged and pleaded and my parents brought me to the hobby shop and I think I finally got a Traxxas Stampede for yep. my very first car. And, okay. you know, then it was, you know, wiper speed control, you know, really basic. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I remember first seeing you around 2007, 2008 at LSRCC when you were running the spec truck. Okay. Yeah, so, so I had, uh, long before I got ever into on-road, uh, I raced off-road. So yeah. the racing started, so the hobby shop that I got that Stampede from was National Hobby over in Fridley, yes, which is long, long since closed, but they had epic parking lot races. I mean, parking lot races with, you know, over a hundred entries just on a Sunday when it was 95 degrees outside. Yep. And I ran, you know, my little monster truck out, you know, around there and it was awesome. And then I actually wound up getting, I got a low seat NXT gas truck. Yep. And with that, I went over to, Midwest hobby in Brooklyn park. Okay. So yeah. Um, you know, I was young enough, like I wasn't driving yet, obviously. So I don't remember exactly where it was. Um, but it was the building that had the carpet track right next door. So it was village North. I'll take your word for it. Cause it was a mall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was the mall. Uh, I think Doug Ringgold was running it. Yeah. Uh, and I'd go like every Saturday, like I just, I couldn't wait to get out there and run. And that was, uh, that was, that was a good time. You know, it's like yeah, in, like in anybody running gas, I had, you know, all the same reliability problems that other people did. And for, you know, it just, it didn't throw me and I, and I stuck with it for a long time. And obviously it, that's been over 20 years. Think about this, Troy. We were running gas truck in a mall where Circus Circus Pizza was right next door. Because <laughs> so, I, I bet you I was racing. I, I, I bet you we've raced, raced together back then, because I, I was racing gas truck back. Cause that was the class to race. Gas truck was so cool. Absolutely. So, all right, let's uh, get into the next one then. What was your uh, favorite RC car? You know, what what the the one that replaced the NXT the triple XNT uh, that that was by far my favorite car oh, and yeah. they had a couple iterations they had the Adam Drake edition the Adam Drake two which just made it you know better and better mm -hmm. honestly gas truck was the bomb you know it had mountains of power made noise they handled yeah. good it, uh, you know they weren't as they weren't as wild as a scale buggies but you know, we could just thrash on the things and I could race it as much as I wanted on a, on a cheap budget. Um, I had a blast with that thing. You had epic battles with Steve Nelson and Marshall Scarry. 
Oh my goodness, yes. I I re- we pitted together for an entire season in Vessel's trailer. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh knocked back a couple of coronas. <laughs> a couple, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think one of the closest races with gas truck was up at the Motodome. Uh, it was Steve, myself, and Marshall. And it just all came together, you know, just sliding around on the slippery track. And at the end of 30 minutes with the, you know, these little tiny cars that can hardly keep them running, we were only a couple seconds apart. It was, it was just like one corner, one corner, one corner, like a two-second spread between each of us after 30 minutes was just wild. Didn't you basically run just IFMAR pins that year? Pretty much. I mean, it was IFMAR pins or hole shots, pretty much. I mean, we didn't really run on anything loamy enough to go up all the way up to like a step pin. Yep. Um, and anything finer than a hole shot wouldn't wouldn't last the 30-minute man with gas truck. It was just too much wheel spin. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. So is there any chance of you getting back into uh, dirt off-road again, or are you just strictly, um, not just strictly on-road, but carpet? You know, I think carpet's going to be it. So I've gotten really spoiled on not cleaning dirt out of my cars, you know, not getting filthy, nasty. I I had a great time at at the Nitro Series, you know, I did that for a for several years, but, you know, I, I, I kind of really found what I enjoyed in, you know, carpet on road, carpet off road. It's fun. You know, I like going out. I go to MMR once in a while. I, you know, I, I've been up to Thunder road one time, which, uh, is a shame because they've got a great facility up there. Uh, but carpet off road, I think is just, you know, it's play, you know, it's like, I want to go, you know, just bring the, the the minimum equipment possible, drop it on the track, run it around, have some laps, and go home, uh, and then start wrenching on my 12 scales again. Cool, cool. Um, so what has been your favorite race so far that you've gone? Because you've not only gone to the Worlds, but you've gone to other bigger events around the country. Uh, apart from World Champs? <laughs> that's the obvious answer yeah uh that race was just amazing um you know worlds was you know what they when you get feedback on races on what they could do better the hang-up is always we could if we had people they had people in stroves um it, it was difference. everybody they had three different guys for tech one person doing each different job they had one person you know uh, calling the play-by-play on the race on the races, they had another guy who was like an analyst, and then they had two guys just for calling traffic. Uh, you couldn't hear them on any of the coverage. There was they were up on the driver stand with us, nice, uh, and they had a microphone with a speaker that was only on the driver stand and just calling traffic. Um, that was the coolest thing because it was you know through qualifying. I mean, running mod twelve, if somebody's parked, there is mm-hmm. no way you can see far enough on the head ahead on the track to have any idea that that somebody might be might have stuffed it or even the closing speed if you get you know offline and your tires get a little bit dirty yep it's like three or four corners away you know and, and they're there in a blink of an eye and you have no idea and the the guys calling traffic did an absolutely outstanding job and then let you know you know faster cars come in but it's two more to go 
uh, and they were calling it by car numbers. Okay. Uh, so they didn't have to worry about, about knowing names or, you know, if you're changing body shells. Um, your numbers were on the car. They had, you know, rules for where the numbers had to be. So they were really visible, and it, would just, it, it operated super smooth. I like that a lot. Um, but apart from that, dialing it back to something a little bit lower key that I had a good time. So the first time that I went to a race that I had to stay away from home to go to was, I think it was Hill City. So it was up, I want to say, like to the west of Duluth a little bit. It was at a ski hill, okay. you know, in, in the spring. And we ran the Nitro Series out there. So we stood basically on like the deck of the chalet looking kind of down a hill towards like the bottom of the valley. And then it was up the ski hill up the other slope, but there was massive elevation change. It was, you know, it was little, it was just a, a dirt hill that they carved a track into. So it was hard slick. It was sand. It was rock. It got blown out. I don't really even remember really any jumps on the track. It was just like, running around on on the hill uh and it was wild and uh, yeah i was a that that really hooked me for getting out and starting to visit some other races that Um, sounds actually kind of kind of fun absolutely other than that one race that's still going on that that is a must attend for any on-road racer is the u.s indoor champs in cleveland over thanksgiving man it's an enormous enormous event and if you can, if you can skip Thanksgiving away from your family, you can get out there for a travel race without taking any vacation days. Uh, and they leave the track open 24 hours a day for practice. So when racing stops, just go out. You can just go out all night. If you want to give up sleep and get a thousand laps, go for it. You yeah. can. See, that's my issue. I even though I take no real part. And Thanksgiving, I go to the mother-in-law's house and sit in the corner. Some reason it's important that I'm there. <laughs> so I, I, can... I don't have the right answer for you in that. I always thought, ah, you know, Thanksgiving's family time. That's not going to be a race I can make. Uh, you know, and I and I talked to my wife, and it's like, look, there, there's only so many I can get to, and it's important to us to you know, have time to go to the lake, to take a family vacation. This race I can go to, and I don't have to take vacation. So she's willing to give up, you know, one day of family time, even just a couple hours of family time um, on the front end. And then we bank, you know, uh, you know, four or five days of, of family time vacation in the summer when, you know, it's not racing season. Yep. Awesome. So before we get into the worlds, you also used to autocross did you get another vehicle to where you can do that with or because i saw you sold your focus yeah i did sell the focus uh i got a truck so i got a colorado zr2 okay so it's fun i haven't had uh the great opportunity of you know taking it down any uh any wicked trails yet um that would be fun but i do i do miss the focus that was uh that was a really fun car you know it was it was quick uh, you know instead of sticky tires on it i rode uh, up to duluth with you sorry yeah i rode up to duluth with you in the focus god i forget how many years ago that was hands off of that thing too (laughs) yeah that thing was a fun car um 
And also, so you're now starting your um, second year with Team Destiny. How did that all come about? Because weren't you all CRC before? Um, the, I ran CRC 12 skills for several years. Yeah. Um, basically, that was kind of on, you know, a budget, you know, hand-me-downs from, you know, the MFR crew. Right. Uh, eventually, you know, I kind of wanted to, to step out and try my own thing. I wanted to try a Roche. Um, I got a, a couple, actually, I got a good deal on some very lightly used cars from, from Roche. So I gave that a try for, for uh, only about a year. Um, but ultimately I was looking for something that was a little bit more collaborative and inclusive. Um, and Scott Jakes, who is the, basically the, the Destiny USA team manager. He's the importer for Destiny and JFT Tires. Okay. Uh, he had been around uh, a couple of times at races at MMR. Uh, and then when I started traveling to races, I bumped into him at Snowbirds, at Roar Nats. Uh, we had some good racing. You know, I had really good races with Johnny Carey, who uh, had done most of like the actual like sales and like packaging he's the guy that actually like grabs the parts out of the out of their warehouse and packs them up for you um we had just you know fantastic races in 13.5 at roar dance yeah uh so we got to talking and uh it just really seemed like a good fit cool that's awesome um yeah so let's start getting into the worlds so how'd you do you know I really had no idea what to expect going into it. Mm-hmm. You know, we I, there was a lot of fast guys going. You look up and down the list, and it's like, you know, I've been seeing a lot of those names in, in, in race reports for a lot of years, and I wasn't sure where I was going to go. I thought, you know, it would be amazing if I could make the C-Main. Yeah. Um, through seating, um, like the seating rounds were like, just the car kept getting better and better and better. Okay. And... And then I was looking at it, going into qualifying, I was seated 21st. So I was uh, lead car in the C sort, That's nice. um, which really was a blessing in disguise. The B sort, um, I would not have done as well in the B sort. Uh, that was just a, a rough group of drivers, elbows out, not willing to give an inch. Uh, and I think the rest of the people in the C sort I was with kind of realized, like, hey, if we work together, we can make something happen. Um you know, the only thing holding us back is ourselves. Uh, and actually, out of the C sort from seating, uh, three of us actually made it into the B main. Nice. So I wound up, I let, I let off 17th, uh, so 7th in the B main, uh, and I was able to finish 16th overall. So I had a, I broke out the first time, so I think I had a 8 or a 9. Okay. Um, B main number 2, I took exactly the opposite strategy rather than going out and ripping it. Uh, cause I did set hot lap in the B main, uh, for B one, which blew my mind. I, I've never been that close to the, the race hot lap for the fastest of the fastest as that run. But I played a mo- lot more conservative B two sliced through some, some early wrecks and, uh, was right kind of at the back of the freight train, uh, for P four. So that got me some, some really good points. And then I think I had a seven for the third main, um, which bumped me up a spot. So you have triple B mains, huh? 
It was triple mains top to bottom. That is so all the way down to F main was triple mains. So if you blow out a one like you did in your first one, you have more. That's that's I didn't know that. That's nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was amazing. So the format went. There were four four minute practice rounds. Okay. Um, and that that was your practice. There was no open track. So that was something that was really kind of unique. No open track whatsoever. Um, you line up just like you're having a race, and you, you, they, they sound the horn, you go, and they, they follow a schedule, and you know exactly what time you're going to go off at. I kind of like um, that. Yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. Seating was, was eight-minute time practice, so there's three rounds to get your top three consecutive laps, and then that went into six rounds of qual point qualifying. Uh, best three of six counts, and then triple mains for everybody. Okay. Wow. That is that is a lot of track time. Um, we have a question for you. Actually, you should I should look at the question now because... Let's see here. Jeff Choban had a question for you. He said, awesome job at WC, Troy. Did you see anything noteworthy in terms of new equipment other than the obvious Awesomatics car? <laughs> other than the Awesomatics? Um, you know, I can't say that I did. Um, you know, so it, it, I think there was another question kind of about local 12 scale and so but you know we're yeah. kind of in that ebb part of the the ebb and flow yep. um you know just on road in general has been down a little bit so there's not a ton of new stuff coming out for for 12 scale um you know little stuff here and there you know it's, um i think that the schumacher had a an um an aluminum chassis i think that was new for this event i think that's on eclipse um, three that's coming out here pretty quick yep Yep, exactly. Um, no, but nothing groundbreaking that the previous Schumacher didn't already have. Um, a lot of Montec bodies, um, people were really giving those a good shot. Okay. Maybe that's just a, a regional difference because in the States, you know, most people just really gravitate to protoform. Yep. But man, that Automatics car, the first time I picked it up, I, I, I picked it up and I tried to wiggle the pot. I'm like, this, this car is broken. Yeah. And I was, it just turned out I was holding it wrong. All the parts move in different ways that I, I didn't even think were possible. I had to fiddle with it for about five minutes before I even figured out what was going on. I just thought, it, it has to have suspension, but it, it just sounds it, like it's, a not what, it's not what you think. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but also, he says, it appears there are multiple versions of track GT being sold. What was... Uh, carpet like and how did traction develop thoughts on it versus the crc carpet so the track gt carpet is really really dense it's actually it's quite thick okay but the density of it is is very different than what we're, we're used to if you pick up um crc carpet it's lightweight i mean like one guy can pick up an entire roll of it where two guys could barely pick it up before. Um, and it has that sponginess and kind of that vertical pile. And I think that's what gives us most of our issues running spools on the carpet, where the car just starts doing weird stuff. It, you know, if the groove isn't really good, it doesn't go in a straight line. 
if you don't glue just right, it wants it either pushes or it wants to spin out. Um, if you get off power, you know, if you're in traffic and you've got to pedal it a little bit and get off pace, the car gets really goofy. None of that happens. And no matter what the grip level was, it started off pretty slip, pretty greasy. I mean, literally like you greased the track. I went out there first round with it, with a diff, not knowing what to expect. And the car was undrivable almost with the diff. But it, it came undrivable. up really, even with the diff. Wow. Uh, but that was just getting an adjustment to a different surface. Um, in between the first four practices, my hot lap dropped by a second, dropped by six tenths, dropped by four tenths, dropped by four tenths. I mean, it just, the, the times just tumbled as the grip came up. And if you think about it, we only had 12 heats. And there are 12 full heats. Yeah. But that's not, that's not a lot of heats for a big race. And we're running four minutes at a time. So if you think about it, that's only, if you think we have some open practice, and then like the end of first round, the grip was pretty much stable by then, which was really impressive to me. And the temperature was all over the map. So the thing in the UK, they don't believe in vestibules. So the door is open. It's one door. It opens to the outside and there's 50 degree air blowing in like crazy. And on top of that, the mall has no heater air conditioning. So the track area was probably 60 degrees. It was cold and it was, Carpet laid out right on the concrete. And there were cars pulling wheelies. There, there was good grip. Wow, that's awesome. Um, Jeff had one more question, and uh, we'll get back into the worlds. But before that, so is this a type of GT carpet that um, I know is different, but could you run both sedan and 12 scale on this GT carpet, or is it either one or the other like the gray stuff? I, I've heard a couple different things, and I, I don't know if some of it's misinformation or disinformation, uh, but I heard that there, you, the two sides of the carpet um, have a slightly different feel. And, the track, and when they run big races on it, generally they use one side for foam tire and the other side for rubber tire. Yeah, so okay. I don't know how it would behave if you ran both. Gotcha. Okay. Then uh, one more question from Jeff. He says, referring to your post about mod, what are your thoughts on mod racing at a local level? Do we have suitable track drivers? Does lack of mod hurt Minnesota drivers at a national level, or is it okay to be content as a stock region? Well, that's a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> so I figure... Uh, there's, there's a lot going on there. Um, yeah. So he's referring to... a. a a Facebook post I made uh, and I tagged about 20 people on it. Why don't you run mod for more or less? You know, I want to know that was a fact finding mission. So there's a lot of talented drivers out there that just don't run it. And when we, the, the conversation that we're having now is why are we running blinky mod 12 scale? It Mm. doesn't make any sense. And the argument was that it's too fast. It's like, well, 12 mod, Blinky is too fast. So we're not really solving anything. And for anyone that, that says boosted 12th mod is too fast, running a three, five and Blinky isn't going to solve the problem. So if that's the reason we went to Blinky, 
is to try and get these people into mod that weren't running it before. Well, guess what? They're not there. So the, it was a fact-finding mission. It's like, I want to know what's holding more racers back from running mod. That's all. Okay. Now, as far as if it hurts our region on the national scale not running mod, it's like, well, we, we just run different classes. You know, you can't run mod all the time and pick up a stock car and expect to do well. I mean, Sam Isaacs has won, you know, countless national races. And the only time I've seen him run spec, he was in the B main. Okay. And just, you know, there's, there's a learning curve. There's a, there's a knowledge base to running spec, just like there is to running mod. Yep. And if you're going to have a specialty, you kind of have to pick one. You know, there's very few people that are amazing at everything. Okay. All right. Awesome. Sorry, Ryan. I've been kind of uh, firing off questions. Do you have anything for him yet? No, I not having much of or any knowledge background in 12th scale i'm just kind of sitting this one out and uh absorbing it you guys are you're doing good i didn't fall asleep or anything like that i'm just soaking <laughs> it all in so keep it going okay uh um, ryan i uh I, I know you had a 12th scale for a little bit right i don't i, did. I don't think our paths ever ever crossed no i i didn't really make it to race days i i was having a lot of fun taking it to practice days I was getting a little bit discouraged because there wasn't really anything going on at Dollar Hobbies for stock, and I was a lot more interested in running that than I was in the spec class. And so I just kind of, two things happened. It was that, so I kind of threw up my hands there. And the other thing was it was just kind of, it was pulling my focus and my allotable funds away from 10th scale dirt and I, I just decided that I, I was on a budget where I'm just better off doing one thing and being mediocre at it than doing more than one thing and being mediocre at everything <laughs> I totally understand but I, I had a blast I, I loved the car the for me um, the the Roches that I had I, I built them to kit and you know with my like I said, lack of knowledge and, and maybe lack of ability too, but I was able to slap them down and have a ton of fun. I I didn't feel like my cars were holding me back at all. I I took as much information as I could without, I didn't buy um, too fancy of setup tools. You know, I was using, using pennies to do tweak and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I'd, I had a lot of fun. I had Honestly, I wish I would have kept one of them just so I could keep racing the guys that raced the spec class. But you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, that sounds good. You know, one thing that you know, especially what you said is you you know you kind of got discouraged for a not having some some competition that that you're looking for. But what I what I would really recommend is you know if somebody's getting into twelve scale you know, having somebody to kind of mentor them really goes a long way because if the car is just off even a little bit, it can make it just a nightmare. It's like when they, when they don't handle well, they are impossible to drive pretty much. They're evil. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Evil is the right word. Just pure evil. (laughs) How many times have you had a slight, slight, slight hitch in your pillow ball and you don't even want to finish a race because it hooks really hard to one way? 
um, I, I don't, I don't think I have that many fingers and toes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just, it, it happens far too often. And there's, there's a checklist, you know, you have to go down, you know, every time you put it on the track, yep. even if it came off handling, well, you still have to go down the checklist. Yes. And once you get good at it, it only takes five, 10 minutes, you know, but if you miss it, Oh, Oh boy, that's, that's no good. <laughs> so, all right, let's get back to the world side. Did you take any time to explore or was it just your average RC race with hotel McDonald's and track? Uh, I'm going to go with option two, um, pretty much hotel. Uh, I did go to McDonald's, uh, and then of course the track. So we ran until, you know, pits were open until about nine right. and the mall actually closed at eight. So like all the shops were closed, but there was a few restaurants, um, not a lot available. And we were just so tired. It's like, we didn't have a lot of time to, to go exploring. Okay. Um, we did find some, some, really good Indian food uh, a couple blocks away. Uh, but that was really the only time that, that I got out. Okay. Um, yeah, it sounds like it'd be awesome, but then it sounds like, man, you almost want to take an extra day or two. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there were there were several guys that did. Um, Mike Hanulek went there several days early. He actually went to a race in Chesterfield the uh, weekend prior. Uh, and then I know like Tim Kopp and Brian Bodine stayed several days and actually went and did all the touristy stuff in London. Awesome. So we were actually in a town called Milton Keys, which was about an hour bus ride north of London. And if you've never been there, you fly over the top and there's all these little burrows, you know, that are just, you know, kind of little individual, you know, kind of sections of the city. Okay. None of the roads are straight. I mean, this is one of the oldest cities in the modern world. Uh, and they haven't reconstructed everything. You know, civil engineering didn't exist there until very recently. And unfortunately, Milton Keynes is one of like the only areas in all of London that has gridded streets. Like it was set out by a civil engineer. I heard And it uh... makes it... It makes it really boring. It's like, you know, taking an eight-hour flight to go visit Coon Rapids. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I heard. Uh, I heard Boston is similar to that, to where the streets were invented before cars, and they just threw, they just threw together some kind of system that made sense back in the 1600s, and that's the way it stayed. You know, it gives the city a lot of character, but if you're not from there, it can make it, uh, get a, get a cab. Yeah. Don't, don't try and drive. <laughs> For sure. Um, so what kind of damage happened when you, um, you, you yourself didn't send the car into the boards, your receiver died and your car got sent in the boards. Right. Well, <laughs> so that, that's twofold. Um, the time that I sent it, I missed the boards completely. Okay. So. Uh, I'll leave with your first question. So uh, when it dead sticked in the end boards, I think because it was cold enough in there, the pipes were really brittle. Okay. So I shared a picture on Facebook and it has three holes um, in the pipe, three from yeah. cars dead sticking in the end of it. Okay. I have no idea why this was happening more here than any of the other races I've been to, but I had it happen one time and 
I, th- I think the car went dead fairly early on the straightaway, so it didn't hit at total top speed. It probably hit, you know, 30 miles an hour instead of 50. So it hit um, stock but it, speed. It, um, I would say like 13.5 speed. Okay. It, it hit pretty hard, and it, it punched a hole in the pipe, and I think that's <laughs> what saved the chassis from folding into. Um, but it sheared off, uh, I think it hit both body posts, and ruin the body, but the, but the chassis was intact, so so that was good. So it wasn't too bad of a repair. No. Um, I did talk to a couple other guys. They set their car down on the bench afterwards, and the front tires didn't touch the, the pit board. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so some of them really got bent out. Yeah, that's no good. Um, what, um, what compound of tires did you end up running? So this was the first world where they actually did a handout tire. Oh. So it was a it was a JFT uh, A32, which is magenta, and an A30, which is a pink. So just traditional magenta front, pink rear. Simple. Uh, it, it's simple. Yeah. Everyone's used them before. Everyone knows they work. Yeah. Uh, no surprises. Um, but no one's lugging around an entire roller bag full of just tires. It made it really simple, and, and for a lot of the manufacturers, helped bring costs down, and it, it really made the racing that much closer. Did they have a limit, or could you buy, like, 15 sets? So we got 12 sets, okay. which is enough, one, one for every controlled run. Um, there were, you know, the, um, the initial four-minute practices and then two additional eight-minute practices, um, Tech did not apply, so that was just purely practice. Um, but for three seating runs, six qualifiers, and three mains, basically we got a set of tires for each one. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I actually didn't use them all. Uh, I ran a, a couple of reruns because uh, early rounds I started them off kind of big, and the tires still look good. So I just skimmed them down a little bit, uh, and they were actually really great at the second time out. Oh, that's nice. A uh, couple more questions here. How was it to fly international with RC gear? Was it different or the same? It was, it was the same. Um, on the way out, um, TSA took about a two-second look inside my carry-on. Um, I think they were actually looking at I, I put my pit board in my carry-on just because it's kind of heavy. Yeah. Uh, and I needed the weight capacity in my roller bag. So I think they just wanted to take a look at it. It's acrylic, you know. They took a peek, like, okay, you're good. Yeah. Uh, but I had my, you know, my radio, my, you know, stack full of lipos. Um, yeah, no questions. Um, you know, roller bag. So I actually, for Christmas, I wound up with a an OGO, and I got the exact RC um, custom fit like corrugated plastic boxes for the OGO. Really? Uh, and they, just, they, they fit perfect. So um, do you like Robert those? Morris um, puts those things together. I, I definitely think they're a must-have. Okay, see, I've, I've been loading my bags with the Plana lock jaws. That's the common. And those seem to be okay. But, yeah, I'll have to check out some of those corrugated deals. The the, the Plana ones are, are awesome, but they're still kind of limited in... in the size of stuff. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, the stuff that the Exact RC boxes have. I mean, it's you know, it's bigger than a shoebox, so it's the full like interior dimension, and a good like ooh, 
five or six inches tall. So like I fit, you know, a stack of bodies in there, you know, 10 bodies stacked on top of each other plus two rolls of blue towels that, you know, squished a little bit. And, you know, and the bodies are something you don't want smashed in your luggage. Uh, And, you know, everything arrived, you know, intact, no damage whatsoever. Do you use ProLite bodies and modified like you do in stock? Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> I I barely have the guts to do it in stock. Um, So you've been testing. So I've been, well, actually, I've been talking. Ryan's been like, okay, quit beating this dead horse. <laughs> you've been testing out Scott Jake's new rubber tire, the prototype. What are your thoughts on it? Do you think it could take off on something like the GT12 class, or do you think it could take off across the board? So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna fire a question at Ryan uh, since he's the least experienced 12 scale driver that we're talking to. So Ryan, in in practicing 12 scale, how many sets of tires did you have, or how many did you have to put on? You know, a borrowed tire truer. Um, or re-glue them. I mean, t- tell me what your experience with that was like. It was it was a lot. Um, I I did I knew what I was getting into, so I. It wasn't like I just showed up at the track and I saw twelfth scale running on the track and I said, "Okay, that's that's the car I want," and went and buy it. I everybody warned me off because of the tire game and and I at that point in time I was I was willing to go through it because I knew that I wasn't going to one run tires um I I was realistic about my goals I just wanted to have fun and come in and do a bunch of practice maybe race once in a while I wasn't trying to win a mains or or any mains for that matter but that being said um it was really difficult for me to get consistent with my cuts. So my my ride height was changing all the time. Uh, I don't think I was very good at at doing the uh, the bead on the front tires. You know, all of that. I don't know. I I wasn't that fast. You know what I mean? Like my car didn't have to be perfect. The way that the way you guys are able to push your cars after years of experience. So maybe I didn't run into the same pitfalls that people do when they get into 12th scale and they want to be super competitive and they're just overwhelmed by the game. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my thoughts, but I did. Yeah. I went through a lot more tires than I thought I was going to because I wanted to be cheap and start big with them and obviously that was no fun because then I was uh, chunking tires, you know, and throwing away what seemed like to me a perfectly good set of tires that I, that I couldn't use anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you know I've had the same conversations with people. Would you rather cut a tire small and run it to the glue and know it's completely used up, or start it big, hoping for long life just to chunk it? And then it's going to be inconsistent forever. And everyone always tells me chunking a big tire is the worst. So we run, I mean, we run them small. Now, 
where rubber tire fits in is so far not a single person that's run them on black carpet has needed to glue them. It's been tried and it hasn't been faster. It hasn't handled better. It hasn't gone faster and it's rubber. So, you know, sure. I mean, technically there's wear, but there's not enough wear where you have to start adjusting your ride height. They, they come, uh, the, the production batch that Scott is getting, they're somewhere around like 40.5, 41 fronts and 41, five, 42 rear. Um, and from there you could run them 20 times and get, if you get one millimeter of wear, you know, to kind of the useful end of the tire, that's a half mil ride height. You can absorb that. You don't have to change a half mil ride height and you could do 20 runs, which would be like three full race days with practice that's, and not worry about it that and would not, not put them on a truer, not glue them. And, and there's no game. Now I say that with a caveat because we're racing cars. And the only game in racing cars is tires, whether it's (laughs) RC cars, go-karts, you know, dirt oval, NASCAR, Formula One. It's all a tire game. It's 100%. So when people say the tire game, I always take it tongue-in-cheek because what what I hear is I don't want to cut tires down to limit their useful life. That's what I hear. So I was kind of interested to hear your experience, Ryan, because, you know, I, you know, I've been doing this so long and, and I race with people, you know, at a similar level and, and we forget sometimes what it's like for somebody that's just starting out to think, well, what do I have to do to make the car work? And, you know, I pick up a car and say, Oh no, these, these tires are garbage. You know, you're never going to succeed with tires like this. And it's just people, all, all people see is, Oh, there's 20 bucks down the hole, down the drain. <laughs> um, so how are you liking, the what's the trade-off in drivability versus um, you know some of the positives that you're talking about? So, stock 12 scale foam tire pretty much hold the throttle down. Um, you know, not always. You know, in quarters you still have to you know let off, you know, pedal it just a little bit. But there's there's no need for throttle control. Right. With rubber tire, you have to have throttle control. If you just hammer it, you're going to blow wide on the corners or the car can get a little squirrely, um, and it brings it back a little bit of driving. Now, while that sounds harder to drive, it slows the corner speed down so much that it actually gives you some reaction time. With foam cars, you know, you hit you know, a chicane, full throttle, flick left, flick right, and... If you hit the line, it's a ballistic. If you miss it, it's either super slow or you run into something. The rubber tire slows it down to a little bit more like touring car speed in the corners. Okay. And it just it just gives you that little bit of extra reaction time. And I mean my thought long term on it is is that we can run motors that bring back a throttle feel. Twenty one five, seventeen five and then even 13.5 uh, on one cell barely has a throttle feel. I mean, there's just so much. It's just lots of torque turning a big gear that all you're doing is carrying corner speed, and that's it. There's no 
it doesn't feel like the car accelerates out of the corners. And if you slow that corner speed down enough, you know, you can run, you know, a 17.5 or 13.5 motor without going, you know, Mach 9 around the course and have a good throttle feel and have an average person be able to hang on to it. That sounds awesome. I hope something co- I saw there was uh, another tire over in Asia somewhere that was being tested out too. Do yeah, you- I haven't seen that one in person. I just saw some clips on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same idea, you know, solid rubber on a rim. Um, so there's no truing, there's no insert underneath. I was going to say, uh, I think they really screwed up with the WGTR by using F1 tires because of the insert and having to glue the tire on the rim. But I think with the flat rubber on the flat rim, that seems to be a good way to go. I I think so. I mean, so the first time I drove, well, yeah, the first time I drove it was, I mean, within hours of Scott Jakes having the box delivered to him at Indoor Champs. And I put him on my 13.5 car, no changes. I mean, I, like, I went right from qualifying, bolted the tires on. I did drop two teeth on gear just to accommodate the, the tire size difference. Yep. And I went out and ran, and it was drivable. Um, so the feel of the car, you know, it still feels like a pan car because there's no, there's no air gap. There's no insert to, to have any tires squish. So it's still it's very direct. It's just lower overall grip. So it just kind of slows things down a little bit, and you can't just be mean on the throttle. You actually have to drive the car. Nice. That sounds. Oh, it sounds great to me. Like I said, I've been beating this dead horse since I saw Scott. I saw Scott post that. I'm like, oh, because that's the reason I'm not running twelve scale this. I hate to say it, the biggest thing I've been loving is carpet and astroturf off-road because you just glue the tire to the rim you don't sauce them you don't do anything weird to them you just run the tire and that's all i want to do Mm -hmm. it's fun i i have a great time running my my carpet buggy it's it's a lot of fun like i said i bring a minimal amount of stuff to the track i charge it i drop it on the track i run some laps yep fun i laugh and i go home yeah um yeah that's the thing too in 12 scale i don't think could go all the way that way but it could get a whole lot closer if you take out the truing and the gluing do you think enough people are intrigued by it and there are enough people to give it a shot i'll put it this way conversation starters are always good you know we've got a lot of people talking about 12 scale because of this you know and whether it's positive or negative you know there's always the purists that say well this is the oldest class that we have. Don't screw it up. Well, they're all fifty years things old. Have to change. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, outside of challenging, you guys have a good thing going up at your club. But outside of that, you know, how popular is twelfth scale right now? Does it need to be shaken up a bit? You know, that's a that's a sample size that you know you look at, like U.S. Indoor Champs. The two biggest classes were 17.5 and 13.5 12 scale. Yep. Um, 
but that's that's kind of a rarity. I mean, there's areas of the country that just don't run 12. Um, you know, but on-road in general, I mean, is losing out to uh, what I think carpet off-road is really is really kind of uh, pulling towards. Um, and it's, and whatever you talk about the reasons why, um, I don't have all the answers. I'll just call it a fad. Um, you know, it's the ebb and flow where, you know, it's just what people want at the moment and things like rubber tire, just get people talking about it and maybe, maybe it'll change the tide. Maybe it won't, but at least it's a conversation. I'm thinking the perfect storm is happening right now because you have basically the tracks of slash on-road version with the Euro truck happening. So you have a bunch of new guys entering and you have a new tire to make it easier. If it gets worked out right, I think that could make, to, let's say they just start out and it's a GT12 class that they do it with. I think that could, personally, I think that could grow 12 scale. Well, it'd be awesome because it's it's super affordable. Yeah. Compared to a guy going from Euro truck, he's got a hundred and forty dollar vehicle, and then he's like, "Man, them, you know, them touring car guys are having fun." Well, that's you know, that's a grand on wheels. Yep. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's if you want you know used equipment, I mean, you can get a really good twelve scale setup for two three hundred bucks. Dude, you know, and all, all you got to do is put a body and a set of tires on it. I literally just gave away my 12R6 because I haven't raced it in two years. Because I have my Roche. I'm like, there I'm you not, go. That's I'm even a use, better deal. Yeah. Just give it to this guy who's going to use it and call it a day. So, do you think. Do you think the numbers locally will come back up sooner or later, or do you just think it's going to hold steady to where it's at? So what I think with that is in the local racing scene in general, I, I honestly think if we counted everybody that races over the course of a month, mm-hmm. we're probably doing better than we ever have. Right. The, the, the problem is dilution. How many how many tracks are there within two hours of you know, Minneapolis St. Paul? A lot. What seven, eight, nine? Um, I, I I haven't actually counted, but there's a ton. Yes. And if you if you brought, you know, if you now I I would never advocate for the closing of a track, but you know when you have three different programs, you know, within an hour drive running on the same day. Yeah. You know, turnouts are going to be low. Yeah. Because uh, there's just so much opportunity. And all of them want, you know, a weekly program to happen. And weekly programs cause burnout. I was actually really surprised. I thought when the when the J Concepts race came to, to Thunder Road, I thought that was going to be huge. All the local guys would show up because it's like it's one of the first, you know, premier, you know, indoor off-road or carpet off-road races that, that the state's hosted. Yes. And I looked at the list, I'm like, where, where's all the local guys? I, but like, I wanted to make it, but it was Joey's birthday, and he didn't want to race. 
But, you know, there were other things happening, like uh, a week or two before that, it was the last Nitro Series event. There were a ton of local guys there. Uh, but I know what you mean. Everybody, including me, had an excuse. Mm -hmm. This year, I am going to try to make it. I don't know, though. I mean, it's right before Joey's birthday, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, but the the point is, you know, when, when there's so much going on and all of these weekly programs happening, it's like if you run every single week, how much energy do you have left to burn like four straight days at the track, oh, you know, yeah. for a big event? Like that's, uh, th there's not a lot left in the tank if you're running weekly. And not only that, if you're running, you know, the Nitro Series and indoor off-road, whether it's electric, um, it's just a lot. And now we have opportunities to run, you know, we can go down, you know, people go down to Omaha so they can run, yep. you know, a scale year round, you know, they can run, um, they can run carpet off road year round, you know, at dollar at MMR at Thunder road in the summer down at Shamrock. I mean, like, there's four tracks to do that all within, you know, an hour. Um, and you can do it year round. I mean, and for me personally, after the car show race in Duluth in March, yep. I, I, last year, my cars didn't even come out of my bag until September. Really? Yeah. I just, I, I had no interest. You know, I need some downtime. And when you're running the same thing, you know, 52 weeks a year, yep. I don't know how more guys, I mean, a lot of people do get burnt out, but I'm surprised more don't. I, I couldn't do it. It's like, that's why, you know, we need a little bit of a, you know, the ebb and flow is not just all the time, but, you know, seasonal. You know, whatever happened to indoor season, outdoor season. Right, I mean, right. Oh, we we were running on Shamrock last summer. That was actually pretty fun. Um, Let's see. Do you have any upcoming events you're going to? Um, well, coming off of the, the I, I'll call it the world hangover, Yep. Um, just from, you know, cause that was just, uh, an enormous amount of time, uh, and energy and preparation. Uh, I haven't really looked solid at what I have coming up. Um, MMR challenge. I mean, I, I live five minutes down the road. I, I really have to have a really good excuse not to go to that race. So right. I'll probably be there. Um, I had a lot of fun when I went out to North Dakota, so that's a, a good February race to go to. Okay. Um, they got the North Dakota guys come out um, and put on a race at a hotel. I mean, it's, it's Jamestown, North Dakota, so it's inexpensive hotel. Right. You know, roll a rug out. It's the same thing. We can practice all night on it. Uh, it winds up being a real, you know, good, low-key, fun event. Um, I'd like to go to that. Um, I've been to that then, one before. Um I, you know what I like most about that race? When I was done wrenching, because I was only running one class, I would go take a nap in between each round. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, and then, uh, yeah, March, Motorhead Madness. Motorhead Madness. That um, that's, that's a, that's a gimme. That, that one I'll make every year. There, there's no question about that one. That's on, on the top, on the top of the list for fun races. Right. The amount of uh, the amount of uh, spectators that we get is is unbelievable. For those who haven't seen um, Motorhead Madness Car Show, 
the real one-to-one car show uh, at the at the deck in Duluth, and the LSRCC club sets up their entire track and pit area um, in Pioneer Hall, which draws in a huge amount of spectators. They they ask us to come back every year because it's literally their biggest attraction. Yeah, nobody and, goes because I mean racers oh, yeah. go because of it, but none of the like spectators go because of the race. But they spend the most time inquiring, watching all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they've got yeah, a and few like races. time on Saturday. I mean, the the hundred foot straightaway probably has a, a crowd of you know four or five people deep watching yeah. racing. Right, right. I'm I'm race directing that one again this year. Excellent. So that'll be fun. All right, it's a about time we wrap up here do you have any sponsors you'd like to thank uh number one uh destiny uh scott jakes is is an extremely generous guy um and i definitely wouldn't have been able to continue racing so i don't know if those who don't know me you know we talked about my daughter just turning one but you know i skipped snowbirds last year i skipped hoodie race last year um but then I was able to make it to Roar Nats, and it's like to be able to continue to race with a uh, with an infant at home. I mean, without some help uh, from guys like Scott, it wouldn't have happened. So, Scott Jakes with JFT and Def- Destiny. I mean, that that really helps out. Um, Genesis RC. Brandon has all of the racing equipment that you need. You know, people always say support your local shop, and they say, but my local shop doesn't sell racing equipment. Well, Brandon does. I mean, he's got a track. Uh, he can get whatever you need. He's got tons of stuff on the wall. Uh, puts on a great race, the Midwest Indoor Champs, uh, every fall. Uh, yeah, that's a couple of couple of top ones. All right. Are you uh, still doing the MFR gig? So people ask, uh, what, what's the deal with MFR? So the, I, I have to lead off. So MFR is not a company. So MFR basically is Charlie being a promoter of what we do. So, you know, I don't, if any, if no one knows Charlie, um, they should say hi. He's a really approachable, personable individual. And he, he just tells us, I just want to race, play with toy cars with my friends. Um, and so he sponsors classes, you know, he was the title sponsor of the race at dollar hobbies just to make sure that, all of us can come out and play with toy cars. So that that's really what MFR is about. Awesome. 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 All right, cool. Well, uh, I really appreciate your time and congratulations at the solid finish at the worlds. And, uh, we're going to let you fly. Sounds good. Thanks, I, Joe. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you. I think, uh, you have to hang up. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Talk to you thanks, later. Troy. Thanks. I don't know if he's still here. No, he's gone. That was great. That um, was awesome. I I haven't met Troy, but now I want to. Dude, I've had long like like we rode up to Duluth together one time to race an on-road club race and the conversations we had were always awesome. And in Dan you don't know Dan Vessel, that was before your time. But pitting in Dan Vessel's pit trailer drinking coronas with him and he's just the nicest guy in rc <laughs> cool 
Well, yeah, basically the night one of the nicest guys for sure. Um, man, that interview took a little while, so let's uh, burn through some things quick. Um, I got some new yeah. fan mounts from Stealth Design from J.R. Corrado. Um, I replaced my SRP ones, which if you don't know the deal with SRP, listen to last episode. It's disgusting. Speaking of SRP, A Main keeps bringing in SRP products. You got to wonder if they know about it or they don't care. I don't know. I I doubt that they don't care. I, I bet you I would put my hand on it that that they're not they're they're either not aware of the situation or they're taking more of a you know innocent until proven guilty approach. Okay. Um. I don't know. I guess I'm willing to give them the the benefit of the doubt for okay. now. Okay. Um, I've been seeing this more and more. Um, like more RC in Colorado and A Main Hobbies and all them. Man, they all have their own deal where you pay with credit. You you get your stuff on credit. Okay. Okay, with the responsible person. That's not a bad thing, but I'll tell you what, I'm not responsible with credit, man. I, I think this is going to put a lot of people in a lot of trouble. Do you have any well, thoughts I, on that? Well, I, I would say that that's what credit does in general. Yeah. But, yeah, so if you come across those, be careful. Uh, watch the interest rates because I'm guessing they can't be that good. Um. Radio Impound is back. <laughs> I thought they were done after 200 episodes, but they decided to come back after a very long hiatus. They just do that though. They you know, they'll they'll bang out three episodes in in a month, month and a half and then they'll disappear for two or three months. That's that's been the MO for a few years now. Yep, yep. Um But yeah, it was good to hear them back. It was for sure. Um I didn't look at the final results for the other worlds that was happening this week. I should actually look at that right now. Um, let me... I see you've got Angaro down yeah, as a talking world. point for it. What? Which worlds was going on? Because I'm not even aware of it. GT worlds at Homestead RC Raceway. It's basically the GT A-scale on-road class. Oh, the cool stuff. Kind of, no. No, 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 no. This is the, um, what's... The, tour, the, the touring car bodied ones? Yeah. The slower ones? Yeah. The buggy okay. ones with the shorter arms. Okay. And it looks like Ungaro had, um, had the, um, some associated version, which I know they don't have in production. And he finished 11th. Okay. I thought he was going to destroy. I mean, really? 11th is good, but I thought he was just going to go there and crush everybody. Hmm. So that's, I think that says a lot about whatever they were trying to do with whatever car they were running. It, it needs help. Um, the Hobbyplex has opened the entries for the Spring Champs. It's on RC Signups. And that's a 10th scale clay race, for those of you that are wondering. Joe attended it last year. Yep, and I'm going to be attending it again this year. Very cool. And 
just, um, I believe we opened at the top of the show with it, but um, Seth Van Dalen has joined J-Concepts officially. Yep, J-Concepts, and like I said, he switched from OS Speed to uh, Block Motors Yeah, for this year. Uh, you know, I, I wonder if um, Seth and other team drivers have the new silver compound for the A-Scale because I was talking to a listener of the show. I don't know if he wants me to say his name, so I'm not going to, but he's like, dude, I can't find any in A-Scales, the silver in A-Scale. And I'm like, that can't be right. So I looked it all over. They do not offer silver compound for A-Scale yet. Okay. So that's, I bet I bet you that's coming next. And yeah, then, you, you've been liking it. You've been saying a lot of nice things about the compound. So You know, I finally expressed, I was talking to Kyle about it. He goes, is it better than gold? I'm like, way better. I'm like, I really haven't messed with the gold, but it's better than the MC compound. The thing is, with clay compounds, I can drive them, but I'm never comfortable with them. With the silver compound, I am 100% comfortable. So I'm very cool. That's uh, pretty big there. I think this one is from some. Oh man, I I totally lost. Cut off that question. We got one question. Unless you have anything else, I do not. Actually, we have a couple questions. Sorry. Um, yeah, because one of them was for Troy, and we hit that one up. Uh, Tiffany Nesbitt's wondering, how come there isn't a bigger drive to enforce racer etiquette? More times than I can count, I get smashed into or watch it happen to others while racing, and people don't stop like they should, and nobody says anything. Frustrating. Do you have any theories? Uh, Why don't you start first? Because, I mean, you've got, sometimes I put a lot of that on the race director but since you have a lot more experience in directing races i'll let you lead off well a lot of it is on the race director but they're looking at one through three if you're sitting anywhere below third place i hate to say it you're gonna get looked at every now and again but not really it is gonna be what it is what sucks is so last time i raced was at the toy box in the second round of qualifying I was behind Tony Sletton, and I tackled him to that very outside right corner before the straightaway. Yep. And I stopped, and he goes, he was pissed, which he should be. And he goes, just go. There's no point in wrecking both of our races. It's like, you know, that is also a good point right there, too. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I guess... I, d- I just feel obligated. I I feel like if I if my mistake ruined your race, I feel like it's okay for me to basically forfeit the rest of mine. Yeah. Because I I made a move that I shouldn't have made and there should be some type of repercussion for it. But also another point- But a lot of people don't know this. Well, here's here's now I picked up on something. I do have something for this now. Okay. We've kind of gotten away from having driver's meetings, having really long informed, not long, but just full informed driver's meetings where you cover stuff like this. And kudos to Ben Savakul when he was filling in a lot 
at the 510 as a race director, and I'm sure he was doing it at Rick's too. He always made sure to cover this type of thing. Right, right. Yeah, um, it is something. Racing etiquette. It's yeah. huge. It is but it, huge. it does get overlooked because some of us, and you more than me, we've been doing this for so long that it's second nature to us. But it's not for some people, and we got to remember that. One thing also that's been happening more and more, and it never happened like this back in my day. We'll say back in my day. You used to, your etiquette used to grow with your talent. You know, you started off slow, hack, and you couldn't help it, but you'd slowly grow, and your etiquette would grow, and all that crap. Well, now, the talent of getting around the track, but not around the traffic, is exceeding the etiquette. Does it, before, before they grow in etiquette, their talent is growing. They don't know how to get around traffic properly, and they just smash into people. I've been noticing that, too. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I'll tell you this much, Tiffany. You got, you got to let some of it roll off your back. You do. You got to let some of it roll off your back. You also have to, I mean, I know you, you could be also talking about Truggy, but after like the top three or four in that Truggy, main at the toy box the skill level isn't there but also let's say the skill level is there and there is an etiquette guess what that's the type of person they really are tiffany some people aren't good people Uh, that sounds really harsh but some people show their true colors on the track i mean and then they'll be a two-faced asshole the second they're they're done with the race. And I know, you know, Mike and Tiffany, they haven't traveled to every single track that we have in Minnesota. Each track has a different environment. Actually, I think they have. Well, I don't think they spend too much time at MMR. MMR, I think, is the only one. But everywhere you go, yeah, you do. there is a different environment. The... The environment at the 510, and this isn't this year so much because I've, I've only raced there once this year, but going back in years past, I always thought etiquette was a lot better at the 510 than it was at the toy box. And it, I don't think it was a knock on those guys. I think those guys at the toy box, most of them, that's their club, right? Yep. That's, that's where a lot of those guys go every single Saturday. Many of them don't race during the summertime, so all they have for experience is in this one place where it's it, it gets a little rough down there. You right. know, Rubbin is racing a little bit with some of those guys, and that's that's the environment that they've had there for a long time. Yeah, that is, I, I hate that Rubbin is racing. I, I hate it, but some people yep. do look at like some people watch the fakest racing movie that has ever been produced as in days of thunder. And they took that line away. Like it's a real thing. <laughs> you know, that in movie... some, in some forms of racing, it is right. Like, like real one-to-one short course racing. Yeah. Well, and again, though, with pro four and two wheel drive SCT, I could see it because the wheel wells are closed. 
Well, that and there's there just isn't enough room on the track for no. those things. They no. they are going to make contact. Yeah, but and again, that almost seems more okay. But yeah, if it's open wheel, dude, you should know if you're gonna touch the other person, you're either both gonna wreck. Or you're going to wreck the person in front of you and you're going to have a situation you're going to have to deal with. Yep. And I, if if you want to change something in that department, maybe you're going to have to try to educate people one-on-one. But one thing I would caution with that is, A, don't do it right after the race. Mm-hmm. Everybody's right. adrenaline is flowing after the race. Right. No, nobody wants to look themselves in the mirror right after the race. Mm-hmm about the things that they've done. So if you can keep your wits about you, try to have a private conversation with somebody, not where somebody can hear you yelling at them and, you know, do it the right way. And, and if you can't get through them after that, you're just going to have to chalk it up to a lost cause. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. Man, we've been going for an hour and 45 minutes, I think. Yeah, uh, we had a great guest tonight. Yeah. That was awesome. Dude, we've we've had great guests, period. We have. We've been really lucky yes, since we going down this path. Yes, I, I like that you've brought this. You're the one who started this. So we have one more from Jake Shear. He says, I attended my first quadcopter race the other day, and the format was very interesting. How it was set up, small track, fast racers in the teens, slower racer closer to 30-second laps. Six races total. No quals or main. So right there it sounds like Reedy format. Two-minute tone-to-tone, max time of two minutes and 45 seconds to finish. Final standings ordered by total laps completed, total time worst run dropped. Very rigid start times to keep the program moving. Door prizes and prizes for first, second, and third. What would you think of something like that for toy cars? Possible modifications, seed races, less long. Jake, I don't hate it, but you're not going to get a community to change. What do you think, Ryan? I'm having a serious bout of deja vu here. Did we not cover this the last time we got together? I don't think so. Okay, well, maybe, I mean, I guess maybe I read that post to myself, but, uh, anyway, that's weird. I don't know. End <laughs> of a long week, right? Right, right. Uh, um, gosh, that's a lot to absorb. You know, they're, they're nothing alike, those two communities. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and again, to yeah, me, it's... Door, door prizes are cool, but I mean, that is, that's, that's extra time and effort on, on your race director or the organizer, the owner of the facility, whoever's putting it together. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of got to go out on their own and do that. And that's, you get, you get out of it what you put into it, right? If they were willing to put even more time, and actually as I'm trying to articulate this thought, I'm having more come in. The people that put on a drone race, there's not a whole lot that they have to do right there's not a ton of overhead they don't have you know the big facility with the dirt and the maintenance right and all of that so they can probably afford to do really cool things like that to get you in the door because one of the 
neat parts about drone racing is I think it's a lot more economical to put it on. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that that's where there might be a disconnect between the two. But also a lot of the door prizes are given by, let's say, A-Main Hobbies or directly from a manufacturer type thing. And that is tough to do these days. Like, So the Minnesota Nitro Series, we used to get awesome door prizes from all the companies. And then pretty soon, like from... I, and this isn't a knock on team associated at all. Don't get this wrong. But what they were sending us was a plastic turnbuckle wrench and tubes of green slime. It wasn't worth the effort. Mm-hmm. You know, because the economy, this was back when the economy was kind of coming back, but not yet. So, I don't know. Door prizes, I saw them take a really hard dip around 2010, 2011 to what? To, you know, to where... Ah, it just wasn't worth it. Well, that and that was probably around the same time that that the rise in contracted customers started. Oh, for wouldn't sure. Wouldn't you think? Yes, yes. So the yeah, the manufacturers had less budget to play with because they were giving so much more product away at discounted prices. Yes, but you know, also though, I've been trying to become more and more of a contracted customer myself, just because. Dude, the the prices on everything have gone up so much that you almost oh, yeah. have to be. It's like so a B four, like a B four point two, was two hundred and nine dollars, and a B six point two is going to be let's say three hundred and thirty dollars. Sure. What is so much more special on that car that they can charge another? $110. They can charge that much extra. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, and honestly, I don't know. But I, I think that's I, something I hope to do. when it comes out of my mouth that when I say contracted customer, it doesn't come off with a negative connotation because I don't think it's a super negative thing. I, and that's, you know, I've, I've beat a dead horse telling you about my days with Fox right. and sponsorship, yes. but I, I relied on those customers slash racers, the people that I quote unquote sponsored. I mean, they were the core of the whole operation for me. Yeah. And these cus these companies in RC value that as well. They value the people that are willing to spend their money with them, even though it's at a discounted rate. It's, it does help us be able to do it, but at the detriment of, like you say, um, brick and mortar and, and some of the the trackside hobby shops, it's it's tough for those guys too, right? Like you, you got to be able to keep the lights on. I, I used to be so against it, but I've been beaten into submission with these rising prices, Ryan. I really have. Yeah, yeah, and you, you know you're you're wanting to race quite a bit. You've you've almost doubled your effort with with having your youngster with you and yeah, having to put cars and tires and stuff underneath him so i i totally get it yeah right well sorry jake we kind of went off on a tangent there um like i said it just sounds a lot like the reedy format and you know i bet you could get tracks like the 510 and shamrock to do a one-off but i don't think it would be 
I don't think it would be widely accepted as much as we'd like. Right. So, but it, it would be cool. really fun though to to go to the five ten or the toy box one day and do do it with four. Right. Have four four individual races. You know, put the scoring together, Reedy style. Yep. Whatever you need to do for tiebreakers, I think that would be a blast. It would I, be. I don't think it's a bad idea at all. No, no. It's just we're so we're so against change as a community, yeah. right? That's why the rubber 12 scale tire is going to be. That's going to be a tough sell, even though oh, for sure I, I, the first positive thing that I've heard was having, you know, Troy on tonight and having somebody of his caliber yes. say positive things about it because there's other guys of his caliber and above that want nothing to do with it. Right, twenty runs, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, and, you know, to a guy like me, that the very first Roche that I bought, 12th scale, was just to go have practice fun. I That would have been great. Right, right. I would have loved it. Maybe you'd get back into it. I I definitely want to get back into it someday. Yeah. Um, I think if, I'm, if I do that, though, I think I just need to do one thing in our winter season, mm-hmm. so I would have to step away from off-road for a winter which i mean i'm barely in it this year anyway um and just do on-road for a winter or two or or however many because i'm you know i've i've got a level of interest in both of them so right right all right yeah this has been a longer episode uh we yeah it's good um i forgot to do the i forgot to get it in mp3 format i forgot it i bought the intro and exit music cool i forgot to get it on the computer though so all right well it's been a fun one thanks for listening remember share rate all that stuff and i'm joe zer jr and with me is ryan greening and we've ran out of talent